Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the Church of the Palms on this first Sunday in Lent. My name is Joe Ross, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God of love, as in Jesus Christ you gave yourself to us, so may we give ourselves to you, living according to your holy will. Keep our feet firmly in the way where Christ teaches us. Fill our bodies with the life that is Christ within us. In his holy name we pray, amen. Now, as we worship together, May our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
please stand for the call to worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us worship God.
Friends, the God revealed to us in the pages of scriptures is a welcoming and an inclusive God who directs us to love one another. We seek to remove all the barriers that keep us from that love. So let us now humbly confess all that separates us from God and from one another. Let us pray. God of mercy, you sent Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost. We confess that we have stayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected justice, and ignored your truth. Have mercy, O oh God, and forgive our sin. To the paths of righteousness, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God knows the longings of our soul, and with tender love pours out mercy, compassion, and forgiveness on all of us. Through Christ, we are given new and abundant life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. continue to teach our children and our confirmands what we believe as Christians as written in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now why don't you turn and greet your neighbor.
Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning here at Church of the Palms. We are beginning our journey in Lent, and uh, this is our first Sunday of Lent, so we are glad to begin that journey together as the family of faith. And many of you were here for our Ash Wednesday service, and we hope that you will find this to be a meaningful season as we make our approach to Good Friday, uh, the cross of Christ, and to Easter Sunday, uh, the empty tomb of Christ. So we hope that you will uh, participate in as many of the opportunities as we make available for you to be in that journey with us, including our Lenten devotional, which is available after the service today in the back. You can take one per family with you and uh, use that as a means by which to continue in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Speaking, with, speaking about walks, we have our hunger walk, our crop hunger walk. <laughs> we have a little fashion. Hope you can be there. <laughs> Never know what's, good, what's under that robe, you know? Uh, <clears throat> won't go any further than that. So we uh, would love to have you uh, participate in that, either as a sponsor or certainly as a walker. Uh, that will be this afternoon. Our uh, Bach Lenten series begins this evening at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. You don't want, won't want to miss this. Uh, beautiful selections of, uh, out of the repertoire of Johann Sebastian Bach will be performed and sung and played during the course of the Lenten season here at 6.30 every Sunday evening. Some reflections offered by uh, yours uh, truly. And uh, we would love to have you come and be a part of that journey with us. Uh, it will be, I think, uh, a real meaningful experience for us all 6:30 here in the sanctuary beginning this evening a friendlier Christianity is a, a new class that's going to begin uh, this coming Wednesday evening taught by Morgan Roberts our very own Morgan Roberts who worships with us and has been uh, a preacher for us and we're delighted to have him uh, share with us some of the samples of uh, his new book that is soon to come out uh, just prior to that, at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, we will have our uh, mission dinner uh, over in the campus center. Dmitry Todorov, who comes to us from Bulgaria, one of our mission partners, will be here to share with us the good work that is happening uh, through his ministry in Bulgaria. So come and join us at 5 p.m. for a great dinner and then following to hear from Dmitry. We are also in the midst of our stewardship season. We're delighted for all of you who have already responded with your commitments. We had our commitment Sunday last Sunday. We would love for you, if you've not yet had the chance to participate, to do so. We have cards available for you in your uh, pew racks, and you can take one there, perhaps put it into the offering plate if you already have no, made your decision as to how you're going to support Church of the Palms, or you can send it in or drop it at the front office. But we are grateful for your partnership with us as we look forward to uh, a wonderful year of ministry and how we all can be a part of that through our uh, contribution of our time and talent and treasure. So we're delighted to be uh, making our way in that direction. We are delighted as well today to have our second graders worshiping with us and they, having gone through some communion preparation, will be taking communion uh, with their families. So we are delighted that they can be a part of our larger church family in doing so. 
And we are looking forward to, at the end of this month, to a wonderful retreat. And Carolyn Wilson is here, our very own Carolyn Wilson, to tell you a little bit about the Reignite Retreat coming up in just a few weeks and how you can be a part of that and how it may be, frankly, a life changer. Hi, I'm Carolyn Wilson, Director of Equipping here at Church of the Palms. I'd like to talk to you for a minute about the Reignite Retreat that's coming up Friday evening, March 24th, and all day Saturday, March 25th. It's all about finding your purpose, passion, and dreams that God has placed in your heart for the next chapter of your life. In 2004, I was ready for a change in my life. I had had a long career in information technology, and I wanted to leave the corporate world and do something that had more meaning and purpose in my life. So I spent some time trying to figure it out and came up with the idea of renovating houses because I love designing warm and beautiful living spaces. Trouble is, I didn't really ask God what he wanted me to do. I made the change, crashed and burned, and then I turned to God for direction. And here I am. This is his calling for me. This is the new dream that he had hidden away in my heart. It was going to seminary and serving you. I wish I would have had a Reignite retreat to help me when I was searching. So ask yourself these questions. Are you getting ready to go into a new phase of life such as retirement, becoming an empty nester, or facing the future after a major life event and wondering what comes next? Do you have a desire to enrich your life, to have a deeper sense of fulfillment, more significance, and to leave the best legacy that you can? And how are you doing at loving God and loving your neighbor? Are you satisfied that you are in your sweet spot that fills your heart with joy? Or is something missing? If you said yes to any of those questions, then the Reignite Retreat is just the thing you need. We're bringing in Dr. Richard and Leona Bergstrom, who have 40 years in ministry, and conduct this retreat nationally and internationally. It's a little like shape, but a different approach. And anytime we're entering a new phase of life, it's time to re-examine what God may be calling us to do next. So if you want to get in touch with a new purpose, passion, and dreams that God has placed in your heart, come to Reignite. You can sign up online from our e-blast or from our website or at the Reignite table under the tree or at the front office. Why don't you join me under the tree after the service to learn more about it? Thank you. Thanks, Carolyn, and I heartily encourage you to consider that invitation. It's gonna be a great weekend of uh, life change, I know, for many people. Let's continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes, gifts, and offerings.
Let us pray. We love you, O God, for you have loved us first. We are grateful to you for your generosity and blessing we receive every day. Accept these, our gifts of love and gratitude to you, and use them for your glory so that more may hear your love and grace in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated as Carol and our children come forward for a special moment. Treat today, we get our very own skit team. So, <laughs> Charles, I need you to sit down on this, on this step right here. Everybody sit down. We've got something happening up here that you're going to want to see. So sit down on this step. Who's going to go on a walk today? I heard that crop walk is going to be at 1.30 today, guys. Lots of them. Now sit down, sit down. You're going to want to sit on this step, not on the top. Thanks. Okay. Wait, sit 
All right, so good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Okay, so today we have a very special treat. We're gonna be hearing about a story from the Bible called the Good Samaritan Story. Has anyone heard of it? It's a pretty well-known one. But we're gonna do it a little different. We're gonna throw a modern twist on it to adapt it to today's world. So Jesus told a story about a guy who was, you know, walking down the road. Oh, I think that's the guy over there. You know, maybe he was going to school, maybe going to a game. He's wearing a Gators jersey, he must be pretty cool. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and then there were some guys and they attacked him. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. They just attacked this guy and robbed him and took all of his money and they just left him for dead. Poor guy, he really needs some help. Oh, oh hey look, there's Lori. She's a pastor, maybe she can help. Hey Lori, hey. Hello, Emma, Emma, to... Emma, I'm very busy. I've got a Bible content exam coming up. No bother. Not for me. Not today. Maybe later. Well, that was rude. Oh, there's John. Maybe he can help. John, you're always here to help. Can you help this poor Gators? He's on the floor. Wow. <laughs> he could take a selfie with this poor guy laying on the floor, but he couldn't help him. Man, the pastor and a really nice church elder couldn't even help our poor Gators fan? Oh, man. Who's this guy? Oh, he sure as heck won't be helping this poor Gators fan. Those Knowles, you know. What's going on? Is he... What are you doing? Are you helping him? Did you see that? Guys, this is amazing. A Gator, I mean, a Seminole super fan, all the way down to the socks and the shoes and that hat, and he, he had a flag earlier today, is helping this poor Gators fan? This is amazing. He showed so much kindness and so much mercy, and he didn't even hesitate to pick him up. He just ran over and threw him over his shoulder. And in the story, the Good Samaritan story, the guy who was most unlikely to help the poor beat-up guy was the one who stayed with him until he was healed again. So in the story, Jesus asked, which one of these three people do you think would be most likely to help the one who was robbed? And in this case, it was the pastor, she didn't help. The nice church elder, he wasn't very helpful either. Or the unlikely sports rival. The one man answered, the man who showed mercy and kindness, which was the sports rival, the most unlikely one. And then Jesus said, Go and do the same thing. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for all you do, but please help us to be more noticeable to the people that are in need. Even when it's kind of uncomfortable to reach out, we need to show kindness and mercy to others, just like that good Samaritan did. We love you so much and pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Let's go, guys. Not that these things are important. <laughs> Just thanking God they didn't cast a Michigan fan as one of the indifferent people walking past. So. <clears throat> we thank you for uh, 
your Presbyterian prayers for uh, our permit asking uh, requests from the county. We uh, could still use a few more this week. And uh, we hope that maybe uh, as soon as next week we can bring you some good news, but who's to know? So keep that all in your prayers as we uh, hope to see that hole grow wider very, very soon. So let's hear again the story of the Good Samaritan uh, as it comes to us from Luke chapter 10. Uh, for many of us, this is a, a story in some sense that doesn't bear repeating, but I suspect for us all, uh, we can never hear this story often enough. So from verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, hear the word of God. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer answered, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that same road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them, and then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you have spent. Now, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, will you allow these words to allow us to hear an old story, perhaps in a new way, that these words may become for us the word of life, and that your Son become for us the word made flesh. For we pray this in his name, amen. Mark Twain wrote once that fewer things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. In being honest with you, I must admit that it's these words that come to mind when I think of the story that was just enacted for you this morning and was just read for you this morning. Fewer things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. That may sound a little sacrilegious to speak in such terms about one of the world's greatest stories, the story of the Good Samaritan. You've heard the story enough. 
You've likely heard it preached upon enough to have Jesus' wonderful character of the Good Samaritan ensconced in your mind with every stalled vehicle on the road, with every homeless person holding out their cup, with every hungry plea from a child on television. You and I always have this good example to serve as an annoyance, a nag to our conscience. What would the Good Samaritan do? And of course, we know the answer before we even ask it. The Good Samaritan would stop for the stalled vehicle, would buy dinner for the homeless man, would send in $30 a month for the hungry child. And yet, it is often the case that we do not do these things, right? Let's be real. If I had a dime for every stalled vehicle I passed, I could buy myself a brand new one. The same goes for the homeless man and the hungry child. But there is this good Samaritan who is there to gently tap us on the shoulder and say, you know, Steve, uh, you know, if you really were a Christian, you would stop thinking about all those good and practical reasons why you shouldn't stop and instead just stop and do the right thing. There is this, there's enough in the story of Jesus to make me feel guilty just about all the time. Not that guilt is such a bad thing. We can stand a little guilt from time to time, the annoyance of a good example. It wakes us up, knocks on the door of our conscience, and reminds us of those things that are of eternal value. But guilt seldom gets us off the dime. Guilt seldom motivates us to change our way of thinking. Guilt might, might get us to stop one time, but it likely will not get us stopping all the time. And I suspect if Jesus were here, he would cringe to think that this great story of his was somehow just making us feel bad. I doubt that in Jesus' mind, he intended to zing us with this one. I'll, I'll tell him the story of the Good Samaritan. That'll get him. It is, of course, not the point. But maybe the point might have something more to do with Jesus' inquisitor. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That great human question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I be sure that I will have life forever beyond the grave? Now, when Jesus gets that question, he turns it back around and asks the lawyer what his best guess might be. And the answer he comes up with are the two great commandments to love God and to love neighbor. We know these commands. They comprise our mission statement. Love God, love neighbor. Jesus tells him that his answer is right. Go ahead, practice what you preach. But then Luke has this very curious line when he writes, but wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, I don't know about you, but those four words, wanting to justify himself, give me pause. I'll tell you something, if there's anything I want to do, <laughs> it is to justify myself. How about you? 
may be the best way perhaps to describe the human endeavor, the striving to justify ourselves. It may be one of the primary ways to explain why we do what we do, the striving to justify ourselves. We have been about this business of justifying ourselves ever since we were little kids in the nursery at two years of age, wrestling with another two-year-old over the same toy, yanking and crying. We were just trying to justify ourselves with what we thought was ours. When I was in kindergarten, a little Tommy and I were building a little block building together, and there was one more piece to go into the building, and Tommy got his piece in before I did. I, I did the mature thing. I, I clumped Tommy over the head with my block and <laughs> sent him crying. But I justified myself. Every day we went off to school or go off to school now, we are off to justify ourselves. And at semester's end, how well we have done in justifying ourselves shows up in our report card. When you put together a resume, putting down things that make you to be a little bit better than maybe you really are, you're, what, justifying yourself? When you accept a job and have your business card made out and have a title and when someone asks you what you do, it's good to have a title in order to justify yourself. Here's my reason for taking up space in this world. A friend of mine commented the other day about how parents of college students, and I was sure guilty of this, put on the back of the windows of their cars the name of the college that their children are attending as a way of publicly speaking not only about their children but of themselves, right? We don't put on our car windows our resumes, our titles, but we put on the college of our kids, perhaps as a way to justify, if not just them, ourselves. So the lawyer wants to justify himself, but unfortunately the way he wants to do it is to find a way to back Jesus into a corner. He's going to justify himself by, by putting Jesus into his place. He's going to justify himself by playing a little Perry Mason. He's going to show Jesus how smart he is, how well he can handle himself in this little debate with Jesus. Did you ever see that happen in a classroom? Someone who wants to make everyone else know how smart they are by asking a question. Yes, teacher, understanding, of course, Bart's theory of the atonement, suggesting a wider universality and ontological dichotomy. I was wondering if you could comment on that. <laughs> Just another attempt at justification. Wanting to justify himself. It's the great human longing. Remember that great scene at the end of that wonderful movie, Saving Private Ryan, when the old American veteran makes his way onto the cemetery at Normandy, where he had fought some 50 years before, and he's surrounded in this sea of dead comrades, graves of war heroes, and he stands before the one grave of the one comrade who had saved his life. And overwhelmed at the cost that had been paid for him, he turns to his wife and says, tell me, I've been a good man. He just wants to be justified. So seeing this quest for justification all over the face of the lawyer, Jesus tells him this great story about being a neighbor. And while there are 20 sermons that can be preached about the Good Samaritan story, maybe the one thing for us to think about today is that the hero of the story, the Samaritan, is the one whose justification came in the justification he gave to someone else. 
His justification came in the justification he gave to someone else. Who proved neighbor, Jesus asked at the end of the story, to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer replies, the one who showed him mercy. Of course, another way of saying it is that the one who proved neighbor to the beaten man is the one who gave him justification, the one who gave him the time of day and the time of night, and in doing so was telling him that even though he was a stranger, he, there was a justification for his life. This man was not roadkill. This man was not an unacceptable risk. This man was not one of them foreigners. He was a human being a child of God. And nothing more is needed than that, aside from a little mercy, to be justified. Have you ever thought of yourself as one who can give others a justification for their life? Our greatest justification comes when we give justification to others. It is the way of Christ, right? The life and death of Christ. The one who justifies all of us through his life and his death is the one who says to us, now you take up your cross and follow me because if you want to find your life, if you want to be justified, well then you will lose your life in someone else. So when we think about the living of our days and the taking up of our earthly space, one day our day-to-day -day justification is found when we are about the business of bringing justification to our neighbors, which is to say that the great purpose of life is to show others how valuable their lives are. The value of our lives is directly linked to the value we impute to the lives of others. It is the fundamental human equation. You've heard me speak before of the Molokai leper colony in Hawaii back in the 19th century when no one knew what to do with lepers and everyone believed falsely that they were contagious to everybody. What they figured out to do with all the Hawaiian lepers was to take them and dump them onto a peninsula called Molokai to fend for themselves. Tough luck to you. Off to the side of the road go you. And it was a Father Damien who took his place in Jesus' story and lowered himself into the Molokai leper colony, a death sentence in the minds of most in the 19th century. And there he ministered to the lepers for the rest of his days until he contracted leprosy himself. And writing to his brother as the days drew to an end, surrounded by this community of 600 lepers who loved him as much as he loved them, he reported, I believe I am the happiest missionary in the world. It is the great human equation. We justify ourselves by justifying another. And it doesn't take much to think of what the lepers might be today. Just pick out any Syrian refugee family in some camp in Lebanon. Imagine a migrant worker in Immokalee. Consider a homeless mother and her children or think of the next 250 plus kids who will come to visit us on the Day of Hope or a kid struggling with his math in need of a tutor. Our justification is inextricably linked 
to theirs. That's what the whole mission of Jesus was about, right? Bringing justification to other people's lives, the sick, the poor, the lame, the blind man, the old daughter, the bleeding woman, the unclean lepers, the unrighteous sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, all those that society has sort of squeezed out of the value category. Jesus spent most of his time with bringing justification to their lives by giving them the time of day. Across all the divides, Samaritan to Jew, Sadducee to Pharisee, religious to non-religious, conservative to liberal, Democrat to Republican, black to white, straight to gay, Christian to Muslim, because it isn't, isn't that the great equation of life, what life is about. Our greatest justification for living is found in the justification we give to others. It's what I thought of the other day when I visited my brother up in northwestern Pennsylvania, my brother Jim. Many of you know about my brother Jim. I've talked about him before. 62 years old, severely mentally handicapped, never has spoken a word in his life, blind, totally dependent upon the care of others. A resident since he was 10 years old in a state institution in Pennsylvania. I go along with my brothers to visit him as often as I can, which is what I was doing a couple of weeks ago. I went unannounced and walked into the day room where he spends most of his daytime hours and without them seeing me, I stood back and watched the state workers, folks making barely the poverty level of income, and I watched this team of workers interact with my brother who has little understanding of what you're saying and no ability at all to respond. And I watched them as they talked with him, as they interacted with him, as they cared for him. I watched them as they treated my brother as if he were the King of England. The King of England. Need they worry about eternal life? I don't think so. Need they to justify themselves? I think they already have. Kings and queens they are. As much as they have made one James Joseph McConnell, the King of England.
Friends, we who are grateful to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we know what we are talking about when we gather at this table, for here is where we find the way, the truth, and the life. The one who surrendered his glory in heaven to come and dwell with us so that we might find justification in him in his life and death and resurrection is the one who invites us now to come to table to fellowship with him to be in communion with him and to be hearing his voice that we would be called to take up our own cross and follow him to bring justification through his Holy Spirit and his grace to the lives of others. So friends, come, for we are met here by a God of grace and love and mercy, a God who envelops us with his love, and a God who wishes to fill us with his spirit, and a God who will send us from this table so that we can be light in the world. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. Bless us, O Lord, as we come to your table. We pray that you will allow these common elements to become for us the spiritual food of heaven, that we may find within this bread and cup the grace and mercy of your son Jesus, and that we may not only be filled by this heavenly food, but that we may find our cup running over into the world. Join us at this table through your Holy Spirit that we may survey once again the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So God, for make us one with Christ through sharing of the bread and the cup. Now we pray that you'll send us out into the world to share your love and grace with all we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.